Is there a doctor in the house? Hey, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. How are you guys doing today? It's a uh, it's Cinco de Mayo. You know, I've got a great... I'm just going to tell you the Cinco de Mayo story. Uh, when I was working in advertising, um, we had a big client meeting. Uh, I was, we were working on kitty litter, and we were having a big brainstorming. So the account executive thought it would be great if we were all in this conference room with live cats and that we could bet on which poop box the, cat, the cats uh, pooped in first. So um, that was a really creative idea by an account executive to loosen up a uh, brainstorming meeting on kitty, kitty litter. So that's advertising for you. So I'm here from Radio Free Brooklyn, the best radio station in the entire Western Hemisphere. Um, even though we have uh, Donald Trump as our Republican candidate, I'm you know what I'm mad at myself right now for even mentioning his name. You know what? I am right now in the moment going to take a vow of silence about saying that person's name on this radio show because uh, the media is totally fucking it up for everyone by putting way too much attention on them. And I fell into the trap. See how easy that is? So I'm over it. No more, no more of that. No more of that. I learned something right now today. Um, anyway, Radio Free Brooklyn is a really, really amazing station. We're having an amazing party on uh, May 14th, that's this Saturday night coming up. Go to um, Facebook, look it up. I will be posting it on my Facebook page and on my Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit page. I will be there, and I would love you to come. I want to hang out with you, like for real, in person. Um, and anyway, so uh, come. Come, and come to the party because we are fun. We are fun, outrageous, crazy people. So I'm really excited about my guest today. It's Brenda. I'm getting, see, I tried to pronounce her name. It's a little complicated, and now I'm self-conscious about it. So Brenda Zalami. Now, hi, Brenda. Can you say your name for me? See, I knew I was going to screw it up. What? Zlamani. Zlamani. Okay, there you go. Brenda Zlamani. Okay, we got that right. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Lisa. Wait, wait. Oh, God, I forgot to do Say hi, Brenda. Hi, Lisa. And say your name. Brenda Zlamani. There you go. Isn't that nice? What, what uh, background is that from? It's Czech. Czech. Oh, I had a roommate from college that was, had Czech parents. There's a lot of really great creative people in Czechos- that have Czech backgrounds, Czechos- Czechoslovakian, right? Yeah, I'm only a half a Czech. Oh, it's, you're not a full Czech. There's a... <laughs> There's a pun joke in there. Um, so anyway, Brenda is an amazing artist. Um, you know, uh, uh, you can you can see her work all over on the web and 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 in lots and lots of places. Just don't even take my work for it. Um, just so you know, like her work is easy to understand in that it's. Um, of people and you can look at it and appreciate it and get the feeling from it without going, what the fuck am I looking at? So I want to encourage you even more. That's an even more reason to appreciate her work because 
Um, she's a communicator. It's 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 the kind of work that people get. I like that kind of work personally, but that's just me. Um, so Brenda, uh, who's like so ridiculously talented, because this is the kind of talent. I mean, you have to have a huge amount of natural ability to be able to do this. But what she did about started about a year ago, which she ended it just this last month, April, just a couple of weeks ago, was uh, a, por- a watercolor portrait a day. And what Brenda did was invite different people into her studio, like most of the art world, uh, for one thing, into her studio, all sorts of people, and um, did a watercolor portrait of them in about an hour. Would an you hour. Say? About an hour. A beautiful portrait. And uh, most people ha- most people that I know that have done it, I've done it, um, you know, use them for their Facebook profiles. And they, they, it's, a certain, it's a certain thing that is very well known and that everyone sees and, you know, in, 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 in our community so, uh, and, and elsewhere. So anyway, I thought this would be an auspicious time. Look at that, how I just pulled that word out of nowhere, uh, to have Brenda in. Because um, what I really want to know is what kind of psychological, emotional uh, effect a project like this, a watercolor portrait a day, uh, would have on somebody, would have on our very own Brenda Brenda with a Z. That's all I'm getting. I'm not going to get like... I'm not going to get sucked into like trying to perfect the uh, say the way I say your name. I'm just I just can't do that, Brenda. Um, so, Brenda, why don't you uh, describe the project in your own words so that uh, the people can can know what we're talking about? Okay. Well, it's not the first project that I've done like this. Um, the first it, a watercolor portrait a day. It, this was a specific project for. A local project, but actually, it was originally it was going to be a travel project, and I did um, 888 Taiwanese Aboriginals, and then I did it in Abu Dhabi. You did and, that? Yes. I did so not this know is this. the third project, and oh, um, and I found wow. that actually it's I really interesting. But with the Taiwan project, um, I showed it in New York, and not that many people in the art world came to see it because I think that. People are not interested in Taiwanese Aboriginals, but um, where 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 was it? It was on Forty Second Street at where? Taipei Economic Culture Office. Oh, that's why, because that's not a place art world people want to go. Come that's on. true, but it's a good location. For it was, and I tried it's very a hard. Location. Oh, it's Forty Second Street. It's a, a shitty location. If it was in the middle of Chelsea, then that's a good location. Well, it was just like ten or, blocks or, away, or or lo- Chelsea. Union Square. No, it's a shitty because people don't go anywhere, Brenda. You know that. Well, anyway, okay. I'm sorry anyway, you didn't get the attendance. Anyway, I didn't think they're lazy, it, it lazy did, ass people. Anyway, didn't it go. did really well with um, Asian community, unbelievably well. But anyway, I decided after doing these projects overseas that it would be interesting to try it with our own community and see how that worked. But um, one of the reasons I started it now is I was working on this other project where. 
Um, I was getting psychologically really stressed out. It was this, these seven women from the 1800s. Yeah. And um, they began to haunt me. And I was really like starting to enter the world of the dead. Um, I became obsessed with their music and I wasn't getting dressed. Wow. And, um, I, and I knew I was going to work on this project for a year. It was I, a commission. It was a commission from Yale H- University huge, for huge their library. Commission. And it was these seven women who never got recognized. And the pull of these seven women was really intense because they wanted to be painted really badly. And um, I just was dreaming about them. So I was thinking a a way to counter the Yale project with the women who were no longer with us was – to, ha- to paint a living person a day, and that would keep me in the world of the living, and it would also force me to clean my house and take a shower. Mm. So that was like the original, um, the original impetus, but also an interest in seeing what happened if I painted local people rather than people overseas. Mm-hmm. So, and what when you say interest, what would be that interest? Like interest, what were you interested in particularly with local people? Yeah. The reaction, um, like whether it would get a bigger audience or getting to know, like what would, what what would, when you say interest, what do you really mean? Well, I I mean, I've been in the art world since 1981. That's when Mm -hmm. I came to New York. And there, I know thousands of artists that I say hello to at openings and Mm -hmm. how are you? And I've been doing it for, with these people for like 35 years. Mm -hmm. And I've never sat down to dinner with them or had an intimate conversation. I Mm -hmm. don't know where they live. So you were interested in spending time with them. Yeah. Not just the, so you had a couple of things going on. You had, you wanted to balance your creative life and your probably obsessive amount of time that you were spending working. And on top of that, you also wanted to get to know the people that you had been kind of living around for a long time, right? Yes. And there was actually another – I had a couple of agendas. There was another agenda, which is I'm a single parent, and Mm -hmm. I've been raising my kid alone for like 15 years, and Mm -hmm. she's finally getting old enough that I'm not as focused on her. Uh. And I wanted to – to sort of open up my studio because most of these portraits, I'd say 98%, took place in my studio. So I had a studio visit every single day mm. from someone in the art community, which is a really interesting thing to sustain. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you mean you had the freedom? Was it that you had the freedom and that your daughter's a lot more self sufficient? Or is it more that you wanted to have people over to expose her to more people? No, I mean, she hated the project, actually. Oh, really? I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, she actually, um, I mean, I could get into it later, but she became quite belligerent in the end. Uh. But um, it wasn't to expose her. It was more the feeling that the umbilical cord will be cut soon. And to just sort of, um, how can I explain it? Um, Just engage more with I mean I never dropped out of being in the art world I because I support myself full-time as an artist but right. it was just to engage more socially because she you know this an awareness that she won't be the focus of my social and emotional life uh, as she gets ready for college That's interesting. So that's that's really smart. That's like really smart parenting that like um to 
to um, knowing that you're preparing yourself for her leaving home. Right, because actually a lot of my friends are have kids that I had my kid later, and a lot of my friends, I've watched this process. The kid grows up and the dog dies. The kid goes to college and the dog dies. Yeah, you're right. These usually hap- happen simultaneously. You're so right. So my daughter's a sophomore and my dog is 11. Standard poodle, they usually die early, mm-hmm. earlier. So I can expect that my daughter will go to college or hope in two years, and I could also expect that Sally will be leaving us. Mm. So um, I'm getting ready for it. Was do a you way- expect your, I mean, you live in, um, you live in Williamsburg. Do you expect your daughter to be leaving this area or? Well, we went to a college fair last night and um, she was looking at schools as far away as England and California. So I think. She wants to travel. She, not necessarily. She wants the best school she can get. And mm-hmm. she's looking at, I think she's looking at the quality of the school. She's not necessarily wanting right. to leave. But right. she, even if she went to Columbia, she wouldn't live home. Right. And what is she interested in? Um, she's interested in, she's trying, well, her her big interest is um, Asian studies. She's a Mandarin speaker, but she's oh, very right. interested in science and the environment oh, wow. and politics. So I think she will try to bring together a political career that involves environment and Asia. Hmm, that's, interesting. That's what it looks like. Well, but you she, guess. I guess you yeah, do have to she, be ready for her to leave. Yeah, move. but she's only 15. Mm-hmm. She's also, like, ridiculously beautiful, like, just so stunning. Thank you. It's true. We know this. Thanks. Okay, so, um, okay, so what – so you're – Okay, you finished the project. You're not doing it anymore. It's over, yes. You did it every day, literally every day? Every single day. I did not miss one, no matter what. I did not miss okay, one. Okay, so you did it every single day for 365 days, or? Yes. No, six. It was a leap year. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. So you finished April 23rd, I think you said, something like that. Yes. Just a few weeks ago. So you're still processing it, right? So as your therapist, I want to process it together. Does that sound good? Sure. As your therapist for today uh, or for the next 45 minutes. Um, so let's – so, okay, so we know what your expectations were. And so how are you feeling about the project now? Like what's your – where are you with it? Where are the where where are the results of it? What what are your feelings about it right now? Well, I mean, there's a lot to do now because the project wasn't just the watercolors; it was the photographs and it was the experience on social media because every day it was posted and it had a following and um, and a lot of comp- commentary and critiques. Sometimes, mm-hmm. usually positive, but sometimes they were really negative, actually. Mm-hmm. And meaning like negative, like, like you, one person, about the like, artwork or yeah, about the like, person. Uh, but it's interesting because. Um, but I, I just wanted to say like there's mm-hmm. a lot more to do. Like the project, the the material being made, the drawings, that's over. But now figuring out how to process it and exhibit it is another mm-hmm. huge project in itself. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I would post them every day and people would comment and and I've noticed trends and this is sort of a thing that I want to study but um like if with paintings of women there was more criticism like she's not you didn't make her pretty enough and, uh-huh. and so there I had to deal with um what kind of commentary would come up uh-huh. and that was a really interesting thing for me so I mean so there was the painting the portrait that was pretty intense and then and there, one of the rules was no touch-ups and no rejects, so I had to accept what I did in the moment, mm. which is 
a really interesting thing for someone like me because I'm a control freak and my paintings take months to do. Mm. So to accept something that I did in an hour was like a hugely liberating thing because I trained myself to see quickly and mm. and I trained myself to trust myself. So do you feel like you developed your skill? I mean, obviously, yeah, this, but yeah. was that something you'd really wanted to work on? Yeah, absolutely. Because you're a perfectionist in this way. It kind of got you to accept your work and learn that way more? Yeah, it did. I mean, it taught me to think in a different part of my brain. Um, I I mean, my work is very intellectual. There's a lot of math underlying every portrait. Mm -hmm. And with these, because I was usually taking um, 20 minutes to two hours, depending on how much time someone had and whether Mm -hmm. or not they had a pattern on their shirt, I had to um, just go right into it Mm -hmm. and... That's not something I usually do. Usually I'll, I'll plan a drawing for months before I even think about painting mm. it. So, so it really helped you um, be less self-conscious about your work, more yeah. more in the moment with it, which is something we're you know, like we're all trying to – like I think being in the moment is, is a really healthy goal, goal for all of us. Yeah, and living also – Living in the moment. Yeah, and, and also like I'm a really insecure person and it made me realize that I actually – have a pretty high level of skill that I didn't like. I always feel like ah. I'm just getting by, and mm-hmm. when am I going to get caught? But mm-hmm. actually, every day I painted one of these and I posted it, and by and large, they were well received and the likenesses were good, and and I managed to do it. So actually, I must know how to do it. Right, right. So, That's so great. So that was good for me. And then the other thing is, um, I. They were really positively received, usually like sometimes as many as 400 likes. And wow. it made me feel really loved. I, this is another thing about insecurity. Like, I, you know, I don't have a close relationship with my family. Mm-hmm. And somehow, um, I mean, I don't know if the love you receive on Facebook is real love, but it was a huge milestone for me um, in terms of feeling secure. Mm-hmm. That, that was very important for me. Mm-hmm. And it, another place where it was really helpful, um, I guess you're asking me what happened after, but I wanted to tell you what yeah, happened no, no. during yeah. so I could no, say. No, I mean, we want to understand the experience. Well, however, The other it, thing, thing that happened was um, after I painted people, it was like, I mean, I did it with you so you know the feeling of it. It was a really strangely intimate thing. And, it was. And afterwards I felt this kind of connection that it's a bond mm-hmm. um, between a portrait and the subject, and it's a it's a it's a bond that can't be erased. It's they trusted right. you, and you went on this journey, and right. you arrived at a project, a, an image right. together. Right. And so when I would see them at openings later, which is where I would see all these people because they're mostly Brooklyn artists, I would suddenly feel like this is my family rather than this is a stranger. And then at one point, I was at an opening at the New Space of Pierogi. And I realized that I had painted almost half the people. Oh, in the wow. Room. That's they, so cool. And people were commenting like, oh, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And and it was just this feeling of actually like I um, created a closeness for myself, but I also created a community a club. among the subjects. Right. And even the Taiwanese people from 888, the previous project, had been commenting on the Americans. So that was, it was becoming like a world community. And Mm. um, some of the women in Abu Dhabi were watching the artists that I was painting. So I feel like in a way, like picture by picture, I'm creating a world that is, um, that 
it's different than photography because it is this sitting down together. Mm-hmm. The image is flat. People are guiding me. Often mm-hmm. they're telling me how they want to be seen, like don't mm-hmm. paint my mm-hmm. ba- eye bags and or I don't like this blue mm-hmm. shirt. Will you make it purple? I mean, there's a lot of things I'm dealing with because the project was about arriving with the subject at an image together. So mm-hmm. it was not about me um, seeing them alone. So there was still a sense of giving up some control and in, in turn a feeling of collaboration, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. This was about working together. So there was like maybe a little bit of opening up of yourself and becoming a little more uh, open to intimacy. Yeah, it was. And in the end, um, people – I mean – I. It mattered a lot to me how someone saw the painting when it was finished. Mm-hmm. And, and how did that And that come I out? didn't hurt them. Ah, you, you were afraid of... I didn't want to. I wanted to... And I, I just want to say people... that the por- portraits didn't, like, glamorize people either. I mean, they were... They had... Um, they were great, and they were really... They they weren't like just for my my listeners my huge crowd of listeners out right outside the door there, uh, probably so um, no but I mean like um, the portraits were clearly the person but in an Alice Neal kind of way right isn't that yeah, a good way would, to put it yeah, like I, more like about the essence of the person instead of like. And it looked like them, but not in a literal way. But it wasn't also like a lot of people think of portraits that are always glamorized and the person looks a little better, maybe. I don't it wasn't think, like I that. I didn't glamorize as much as Alex Katz does, for instance. Yeah. But I definitely would say, like, what's your best side? And if somebody really felt this is their best side, I would go with it. There mm-hmm. was a situation where someone insisted their nose was smaller and even though I photographed the nose and we talked about it and it was the size that I had it, they said, well, it was smaller, you know, years ago. Mm-hmm. Could you just take a little off? And I did in that case. Mm-hmm. So there were times when I, you know, if somebody, ha- you know, if somebody had like a wart, I would say, well, how do you feel about that wart? And I might not include it. But actually in the case of the wart, I did include it because they said they felt fine. So Right. So, so. Um, so you were concerned with the outcome, but were what was did most people were most people fairly pleased, or what what was your what was your? Res- I think so. Perception? I I only had one person who went totally ballistic, um, but most people I think were pleased. I had one person who didn't want me to post it um, afterwards because he felt that I did not capture his soul mm-hmm. because he wasn't smiling. And how did that make you feel? Um, well, I actually consulted with a lot of people. I felt bad. This was someone who asked me not to do his double chin and not to do the eye bags and to change the color so of the shirt. So you knew he was going to be trouble. Yeah, and he was someone I didn't even know. He was someone who contacted me and came to me. And then he made me make all these changes. And then he said I couldn't post it. But the rules of the project was no rejects. So I didn't really have a choice. So, and so this guy sounds. I'm going to tell you something. Hearing about him makes me angry at him, and not and think he's kind of a, a egomaniac. I and think a bit so. Of a jerk. Did yeah. you did you take all that on yourself, or did you feel a little angry at him? I felt angry, and it, you know he showed up an hour late, and then he made me look at a lot of photos of him in his teenage years, and then photos of him that people had taken of him smiling, saying, this is the real me. But actually, I did not see that as the real me, the smiling person. Yeah, because his ego was in the way. Yeah, Yeah, his ego was in the way. So that's interesting. So that guy, uh, 
was wanting, it's almost like he came to you for, like, you would be a plastic, you would be doing plastic surgery right. on him and that he would walk out feeling better about himself. That's interesting. But I show the image to lots of people. I mean, I I felt that if I didn't post it, I would be blowing my whole project. The project right. would you, be a failure right. because I had rules and I right. made them and I wanted to follow them. So I, so I talked to friends and everyone agreed that it was a really respectful portrait of this person, people who knew mm-hmm. him. So I unfriended him on Facebook I posted it and I blocked him in my and email. And so it worked out okay. And it worked out okay. People loved it and mm-hmm. it was a positive thing. Is it thing. somebody that that you are likely to run into? Or I anything? did. I ran into him in an opening and we said hi and there was no mention of it. Yeah. So I think that it passed. Yeah. He was wanting to come over again for a second portrait. And I think it might have been about wanting to come back. I don't really know. But did he, did he did he did he was he a single guy what did was he like attracted to you which would be not no hard. not at all he was not even um he was actually not into women so there wasn't any of that no it, it wasn't was about just a that. real narcissist it was if you narcissist. tell me his name i'm sure i'm gonna block is it somebody i might know yes but i'm not gonna tell you his name i kind of have an idea well i don't know you could probably know. guess it but i actually have i have a lot of stories to tell about things that happen with subjects, but one of the things I will never do is say who it was because right. it's like being a priest or a therapist like right. yourself. Like right. these are things I, I have a vow to no, silence. I, yeah, yeah. Well, but, of course, of yeah. course, and I'm sure people know going in. Yeah, but but I, but, but did you learn? Did you learn? Like, because I remember one of the things that stood out when we when when you did my portrait was that um, in my mind about you. Was that um, you had you had said that you were like kind of introverted and that you don't really enjoy socializing that much? Is that right? Well, I I what, do I do it in spurts, but like I have yeah I have I people wouldn't think I was yeah, introverted because when I'm out, and I you're very I see, charming and uh, yeah. smart and and easy to talk to and always beautifully looking dressed and perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, did, pretty- <laughs> I have anxiety about going out the door, and too much socializing actually takes a mental toll on me. Mm-hmm. When I'm out, I'm fine, but it's getting out and being out. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. so, but this kind of socializing, I just want to get back to the subjects for a minute because mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. will tell you about my mm-hmm. feelings. Because sure. okay. I know there's a, a, a direction we're going in with this, but um, people uh, came over with different agendas. Yes. And um, sometimes they were quite painful. I had lots of people who had illnesses. I had people who confessed incredible things to me. Hmm. And the... I mean, painting the portraits were hard enough, and I went through a whole process of, at first, I had total anxiety about getting a likeness, and then I learned how to do it, so I wasn't anxious about that. Mm -hmm. So there was a whole process of not having fear of doing the drawings, but the part that never got easy was dealing with the subject's um, issues. Yeah, because sometimes people cried. I, I haven't done a count of the number of criers I had, but there was hugging and there was people were crying about maybe not being beautiful when they were children and people cried about a diagnosis that they had. And, you know, I had a Navy SEAL who told me he wasn't going to heaven because of, you know, things he had done. And, you know, I mean, there was a lot of, that was the hardest thing to recover from. Sometimes a whole day would be lost for me afterwards because of the emotional stress of hearing somebody's story. So would the people leave and then you would be thinking about 
Yeah. And absorb you you absorb their feelings. Yeah. And sometimes it was hard to get them to leave. They would settle in. Uh. And um and I, you know, and then it took a toll also on the family life because my daughter my daughter began calling them fuckers and what? for that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, like actually I had somebody in the seat telling me about an illness that his girlfriend had and she was in the other room and the first time she said fucker, she was like, mom, when's the fucker going to leave? And she and said that in front of your guest? She didn't realize what we were talking about and he kind of um, changed. He went white as a ghost. And um, I later on discussed with her, please don't do that. So she, wait, I want to understand this. She called out, she when is the fucker going to leave? Think, But did she not realize that she was... Did she do that in an aggressive way or in a, just an error? She just thought it would be charming and funny. Because of the conversation? Did, did she couldn't hear the conversation. She was studying in the other room. But she, um, you know, she comes home from... She goes to Bronx Science. She's got an hour and a half commute, and she comes home really tired and hungry. And if there was someone in the chair being painted... And when she walked in the door, that was really hard for her. Yeah, I could imagine that, right? And it was hard on the weekends. She would not want – and sometimes we would have people who stayed a long time and had a lot of issues, and she had things to talk about. So there was an additional stress on the family of her her having to get used to – people in the studio. And so I, how so did I, you deal with that? Well, I tried to schedule people for the morning as much as I could, but, you know, people have work schedules. And I, so I did my best to make it not be bad for her, but it, it was really hard for her, and she was thrilled when it was over. It, uh, yeah, I can imagine. Did, did you appreciate her tolerating your bad roommate in a way? Sorry? You were being a bad roommate. I was, and I appreciate. And also, like, we're a, we're a kind of codependent family. I mean, it's the two of us and our dog and our bird. And this notion that suddenly there would be someone. Like, at one point, I put a picture of the drawings on my Facebook page. No, as my screensaver. And she's like, what, now the fuckers are your screensaver? Like, I, fe- I think she felt that she was competing you know, for my so love. You know, it's so interesting because um, you were saying that what you were trying to do was move away from her. Not move away from her, maybe, but, I mean, which is sort of the outcome, but that you were trying to develop some other aspect of your um, relationship with the other humans on the planet, more humans, uh, because you were preparing for her to leave the nest. Right. And she, maybe part of that is like a lot of times to feel anger so you can go. Right. I think, um, I mean, it kind of worked. And I mean, I could see how there's a lot of different levels and a lot of different ways to look at it. But and anger is part of I mean, there's probably part of you that deep inside feels angry at her for going to college irrationally. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's interesting. Like, okay, so about now, now we are in a golden age, because there are no more people posing. And I'm I mean, I think I have, for myself, I've established more autonomy, which is what I was going for mm-hmm. on that level. Mm-hmm. And um, and I really feel so connected to my community through these mm-hmm. paintings. It's, it's been really... So great. It's been a great, like, after... Because it's really hard to be a single parent. And it's it took a lot of focus because I'm a type A parent. And mm-hmm. so now I feel like I have regained... Um, 
my autonomy, sort of reconnected with my community, but I'm available for my daughter. Like we went to college night last night up at Bronx Science, mm-hmm. and it was just a wonderful, mm-hmm. beautiful thing mm-hmm. looking at schools together. And I feel that it actually was, I mean, a lot of parents, when they lose their kid and their dog, they suffer a lot. But I feel that I've preempted that in some mm-hmm. way. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, you're building up your own resources. Yeah. So but also, it makes it sound like you both appreciate each other more now. Yeah, I think it's been it's been good. It's Yeah, and she has been wanting to... She has been wanting me to – I paint her once a year, and I didn't paint her this year. And so she. I'm just about to start a painting of mm-hmm. – it's actually going to be a painting of David Hockney painting her and me painting David painting her, and Sally will just happen to be on the floor. So it's going to be a big – Because you um, are a fr- friend and colleague of David Hockney's. Right. Actually, right? this is the thing I didn't mention is I did all these portraits with the camera Lucida, and I learned about that from him. That's where I got my mm-hmm. camera Lucida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, he's painted us, um, and mm-hmm. I've painted him. And so it's all about the portrait world and, mm-hmm. you know, observation and versus mm-hmm. photography. And, yeah, so this, it's so I'm going to do this kind of family portrait that talks about all of that. And I'm just starting the sketches now for it. So is that an inspiration out of all of these other paintings, or is that a project that has sort of – you know, that you've been inspired to do based, like now you can, now you have time for your daughter and you're more focused on her or well, I think is there I'll, a relationship between that painting and what you've just finished? Well, this painting is going to be an eight by 10 foot painting. So it's, I think it's going to be a three month to four month project. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to like settle down and do a painting that has a lot of math in it. The comp- I'm just, you know, it will take a lot of time to figure out the composition, and so mm-hmm. I'm ready to do a sustained work and, and looking forward to that mm-hmm. now. Math in it, meaning like um, do you, do you grid, grid out the... No, it's just more that I study um, how the eye moves. Um, with, the, with the painting I did from for Yale, there were seven figures with seven objects, and in order to make that composition work, I, like, I study paintings like the Night Watch mm-hmm. or like Rembrandt's Night Watch or Jericho, mm-hmm. Raft of the Medusa, mm-hmm. and figure out like there's, there's actually like a trick of how you get so many figures to work in a canvas, and it has to do with a diagonal pull and playing with gazes. And if you can get all of those wow. things right in a complicated composition, it everything else will fall into place. Whereas with the watercolors, it was just whatever happened on the page, quickly I had mm-hmm. to go with it. Right, so right. There so there was no pre-planning. Right. So I'm and looking, where did you learn all that? Do you do Because uh, I took, you know, painting in college. They don't, they never talk about, like, what you just said, the gazes and the, the well, I mean, pull of the whatever. I mean, I think the thing that's interesting about my generation of figurative painter is we're basically self-taught. I because mm-hmm. I didn't grow up when when I was in. I went to art school for high school during like feminism and minimalism, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I wanted to paint figurative art, and it was like the white male language, and it, girls were just not encouraged, and so I was always a closet painter. Mm. And um, then in, in college, it was pretty much the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I I learned I basically so tra- you, you I learned you, you by did looking your own and experimenting. Right. And, and now there's all these schools, and and you don't have to think like, is it valid? Like we were mm-hmm. it when I started painting portraits in the 80s. Um, 
portrait people weren't interested in portraits at all and mm-hmm. it was kind of a battle and now it's not so i want to ask you like about um the reaction on facebook cuz i think that's interesting too uh so um you know you were saying that some, how did people like were there certain personalities i mean some of the people that you painted were more well known than others things like that like what what kind of um what would influence people to comment, not comment? You know, what about the person? Well, I think it was a mixture of things that, like, if the if the painting was good, it would get more commentary. And you knew and, you yeah. knew it if when you had a good painting. No, I didn't always. Like, I thought the one I did one of Peter Dudek. Do you know him? It sounds familiar. And um, I had really concentrated on his hair because I thought his hair was great, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel that I put enough work into his face. And so I thought, oh, wow, oh, too bad, a missed opportunity. And then I posted it, and people loved it. And then I looked at it again and realized, actually, it was one of the better paintings. So, oh, so you, you learned so, from that. Yeah, yeah like but, often, but were people influenced by the personalities, uh, you know, the people? Yeah, a, a little bit, like, but not always, because sometimes if I didn't have an artist and I w- or if I had a cancellation, I would just grab whoever I could. Like, mm-hmm. I needed a jump for my car, so the AAA guy came up while we were waiting for it to do the thing. Right. And I painted him in 20 minutes. Or if or the roofers, we had right. a lot of construction that ye- that right. year. So, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes if it was a really good one, and the person had no Facebook presence, um, it it did really really well. So it wasn't always about maybe the because, celebrity of the subject, right? Um, but also maybe it's because people were able to see it more as your painting. Right. But so but I I think that there were certain people like if I painted someone who was a really well-known like like, like Peter Frank for instance. Mm-hmm. Um of course people I mean I I did a really good one of him, mm-hmm. but he's a great subject and he's well-loved. So that's mm-hmm. that was a great combination. Mm-hmm. So I I would say the ones that were the most popular were the ones where the painting was good, the subject was well-loved and the subject had a a big social presence, a, mm-hmm. a social media presence, mm-hmm. then that would get a lot of attention. But then there were those that the person was not known and had no social media presence, but it was a good painting, and those did well also. Right, so, so it was a combination yeah, but of factors. It, but I, I, I knew, um, I mean, I could guess. I was curious. I would always be curious um, if, you know, I would think, oh, I just painted mm-hmm. so-and-so. I know that so-and-so is really popular. I wonder how this is going to go. Ah, and interesting. And then I would see, and... And um, did it go the way that you thought it would most of the time, or? Yeah, I mean, if anything, I was sometimes surprised that one that I didn't think was good did better. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, in the beginning, um, maybe if it had like twenty likes, that would be normal, and if it went to a hundred, mm-hmm. that would be great. And then toward the end, a hundred became the normal, right. and several hundred became, like 300 became. And then if people shared them, then it started another vein or if they used it as their um, profile picture. picture. Which I had for quite some time. So then there would be like different commentary Mm -hmm. on different threads Mm -hmm. that weren't all merged. Mm -hmm. So are there any like particular stories that stand out for you or particular incidents? In terms of the social media or in terms of... In terms of of your experience. Um... Like your experience with the people. 
Well, I mean, there were things that were really deep. I don't want to go into details on one of the ones that really struck mm-hmm. me, but there was a situation where I painted two people, and there was kind of tension and a reconciliation. Um, and this was a four-hour experience, and it was incredibly intense and moving for me. Were you an observer more? Like, were no, you I was quietly... a participant. Ah, so but they were, say, discussing their relationship with yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, the things that we went through together as these two portraits, and they had things they had to go through. Um, mm-hmm. in the, and how I saw them, and it, that was pretty intense. So I went through some really big emotional things what? with people when I – sometimes I would have – oh, I didn't say this. Sometimes two people would come over, and then mm-hmm. i get to skip the next day. Oh, I see. So, um, oh, I see. That's So smart. the rules were that I had to post one every day, but I could do two in a day and oh, take a day good. off. That way if someone showed up with their kid, they didn't have to come twice. So that was right. that's so smart. I, I, yeah. That was more of a courtesy to the subject rather right. than yeah, for myself. Che- rather than cheating. Yeah, I didn't see it as cheating. It became <laughs> but quick. what do you think about doing the portrait? What do you think about you doing the portrait, the vibe, the vibe of the room, the whole experience? What do you think about it? Did makes people? Does it make people feel more relaxed or vulnerable or what do you, how did it affect your subjects do you think well i think um i mean our house is pretty comfortable and beautiful people are, and people are offered yeah. like a coffee or some people had a glass of wine i think people feel relaxed i think when someone agrees to be painted i don't know why this is different than photography but i i think it is cuz i've been paint, i've been the subject also um there's something about your mortality that, that comes up Interesting. and it's a huge trust issue and I think um, people come in um, very serious about, you know, how they want to be seen. They dress carefully because they, you know, like some people will say, what should I wear? And I'll mm-hmm. say, like, should it be a pattern or not? And I'll always say, you know, where, wh- what represents you? This is how you're going to be seen. It's going to mm-hmm. be in a show. It's going to be on mm-hmm. social media. This is something that mm-hmm. will, I mean, this is a time capsule of a year and we're all going to mm-hmm. die. And this time capsule will hopefully be preserved somewhere mm-hmm. if if I'm lucky. And this will be a moment of a little community that was together. And mm-hmm. how you give yourself to it as a subject is mm-hmm. forever in, in right. a weird way. So I think um, people were serious about it. Right. So did people immediately relax or did it take a while or what do you like? Well, sometimes we would talk for about an hour. If I didn't know somebody well, I would just study them. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I would try to, and the, and they got to talk during, I actually prefer if people talk during the portrait. Mm -hmm. So, and I encouraged it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the talking informed the painting, Mm -hmm. um, where the conversation went told me where to go with the face. What, what do you mean by that? You know, I mean, I found oh. out information about people. You people mean their told person- me about their childhood. And that was, that was, their I mean. Their personalities yeah. were reflected in their physical Yeah, because I wasn't right. interested in getting a photographic likeness because I don't think mm-hmm. photography is truth. I was interested in getting a, a psychological likeness. Right, right. And, so, and in fact, I had this one woman who I didn't know who came, and she was kind of interesting. I'm not going to, I don't know if this is too big a clue, but she was only willing to come on 99, 111, 
222 or 333. So well, I'll tell you something. That is clue. no clue to me whatsoever, but it is interesting. But um, anyway, I, I didn't know her at all, but she wanted certain numbers. And she, and I thought, and I never heard of her, but I said, okay, this is interesting. And so I invited her over, and I tell people for the camera Lucida drawing not to move at all because mm-hmm. I want to get the best um, lines in in the 30 seconds that I'm doing the camera Lucida. And she said, oh, I do like TM or something. I can do this. I can stay like this the whole time. So she kind of went into a trance for Mm -hmm. the whole 40 minutes. And I actually got scared. Like, I thought she was going to die. What do you mean? She she didn't seem to be breathing. And she wasn't moving. And I wasn't finding out anything about her because I didn't know her at all. And so I just drew what I saw. But the whole time I was having these morbid thoughts that – what happens if a subject dies in the chair because she is not breathing? She was in a trance. Well, in a way, she was dead, right? Yeah, it was really scary for me. And then afterwards, she looked at the drawing and she said, and and her face lit up and she was like animated. And she said, wow, that looks like me, but it doesn't. I don't look alive. And it wow. occurred to me that I should never, after that, I never let a subject go into a trance again. Like wow. I encouraged people. I said, just talk and relax and be part of this. I don't want wow. you to zone out. I need I need a live person talking and communicating. Wow. That person really doesn't want to join join us out here in the world. Well, afterwards she said, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Um, maybe I'll come back. But then she could only come on certain numbers. Hmm. So we it didn't happen again. Mm. But I mean, there were a lot of live and learn things. Like the first time I painted Kathy Bradford, this is a positive thing, so I can say it. Um, Kathy Brad- Bradford? She's an artist who lives in my building. Um, mm-hmm. She was early in the subject, maybe it's in the series, like maybe top 10. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, because watercolor is really unforgiving. And yes. she said, the minute you get a likeness, get out. And mm-hmm. that was like a really valuable thing. Like all She's along right, the way, yeah. there were moments where big things were learned. And I learned early on in the Kathy Bradford portrait, the minute I got a likeness to start planning my exit, mm. um, because it doesn't get better. You lose the freshness mm-hmm. and it's not like oil painting. Mm-hmm. So, And then I learned from this particular woman that um, be, an active subject is going to give me more content for the painting. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because it coincided with the Sargent show at the Met. And uh-huh. this, these were paintings of his friends. Mm-hmm. And they were like opera singers and Shakespeare actors. And they were better than the usual Sargent portraits. And he had them reciting poetry and singing and acting oh, while he painted them. And so I thought, I thought, wow, why are these Sargents so good? And it was because the subjects were moving. Oh, so wow. so you, you, you kind of pushed yourself into a... Uh, Further into a community that's not actually living most of it, right? I mean, portrait painters are like such a long line of history, right? So it's yeah. like at being, it's interesting you talk about mortality because portrait painting is such an interesting um, take on mortality, you know, because especially in the old days before the camera, uh, that was the only way we could perceive you know, we could catch anyone's likeness and it was going to be them how they were going to be remembered forever. But I think that it actually, painted portraits actually give you more of a likeness than photography because there's a relationship that's occurring that um, stroke by stroke and you're not like, I mean, this is something that I had an interesting conversation with David Hockney about, like how the camera sees 
really isn't how you see. Like if I'm talking to someone, mm-hmm. um, I'm not seeing a still mm-hmm. m- millisecond. I'm actually seeing, I'm compositing in my mind many different expressions. Mm-hmm. And that's how I see them. And one of the things that was really interesting that I discovered in the project is some people don't look the way they look. Like there are some people who... It's their voice that gives mm-hmm. you the likeness. You know, it's true because, like, I remember, like, I, I learned this when I was a freshman in college, and I saw this unbelievably handsome guy at a party, and um, I actually wound up going going home to the dorm with him. Oh. And then <laughs> home seems like a weird word there. But anyway, so I realized, like, after talking to him, like, he didn't look cute anymore. I think people notice that all the time, you know? Like, people, once you talk to them, your ideas about them completely change, right? Yeah, and actually, um, so there's a question of, like, and there's different kinds of faces. This is another thing I discovered. Like, some people really, there are seven lines and you've got a likeness. Some people take, like, you know, you have to look at like 50 different things because they don't have any, they don't have like seven strong lines. And then some people you have to paint the voice or the mm-hmm. movement. And toward the end, I began to figure out if someone didn't visually look like how they appeared when you interacted with them, I started learning how to paint the voice and how to paint mm-hmm. the movement. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, like, how do you get that across? It, you know, like it was... When I discovered that was a particular portrait of I was painting someone who had a a really beautiful and exotic French accent. And once you took the accent away, she didn't look like herself because her voice was what created the image of her. And I realized that if I I had to figure out how to explore that. Let Um, me ask you a question. So you you have done these extended you know, periods of painting people a day before in other countries, I guess. Yeah. But um, so why was this different? Like why, like the things that you're talking about as far as the personalities and interpreting, you know, the voice, things you're saying sound like that things that you would have learned from doing this earlier or like what's well, different? Well, no, because um, in other countries, I didn't have a common language. So like okay. in Taiwan, I, I only had my daughter interpreting for me. So, I mean, people did communicate a lot to me, but I there, the conversation was less meaningful. And in Taiwan, I limited it to 20 minutes because I had to do 888 portraits so, in 30 days. So the fact that... Um, you weren't able to talk to the people made it very, very different. Yeah, and also in this project, every person had their day. And these were people that I've been watching for, by and large, most of the people I'd been watching for um, at least a decade, if not three. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching them. And that's another interesting thing. When you so know you someone... A, you had a perception of them be- yeah, in your mind. Yeah, before because... You met, like, you had met them. You, you you had a thought of them. And then you got to spend time with them. Yeah, so... Yeah, and if you knew someone, like if I knew someone, I wasn't painting necessarily what I saw. I was painting what I saw 30 years ago, what I saw 20 mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. what I saw on a particular day when I saw mm-hmm. them on stage or something. So because you're compositing all of mm-hmm. these memories and coming up with an mm-hmm. image. So I'll bite since we did it together. What did, what did, did you get a um, different sense of me after you painted my portrait after we spent time together? Or was it similar? Or Because we have, you know, we've chatted and stuff. But I mean, for we, you know, it wasn't. 
it was an extended period of sitting down together. So did you did it change your ideas about me or what you thought I was like or anything? Well, yeah. Well, how did it feel to you? I'm curious. Uh, um, you- how did it feel to me? Um, well, it got what I, you know, I enjoyed it on a lot of levels. Um, I think that, you know, I am somebody who refuses to care about how I look in a photograph. Like, you know, so I, even though I enjoyed seeing your interpretation, for me, the experience, I think, was bigger than, I mean, I love the painting, and I love that there's a painting of me, but I wasn't going to be like, how do I look? Yeah. Um, And I also know the style that you work in, so I had an, you know, I it was really the experience for me. Um, what I did, you know, I, I did, you know, I developed more respect for you because I got to know you better. So I knew I started learning a lot more. I learned a lot more about you and, you know, you're, you're a extremely accomplished, uh, interesting person with a interesting life and a wonderful child. So, I mean, I just, you know, going to your house and spending time with you, um, illuminated who you are to me and did make me feel closer to you, for sure, you know? Yeah, I think that was a mutual thing. I mean, I've seen you in your performance mode in lots of things. And so I got to, I felt that I got to, I mean, I remember we were talking about beauty a lot. Mm -hmm. And that was an interesting conversation. I was thrilled. I mean, before you came, I was thrilled that I was going to get to paint red hair. (laughs) And I love your skin color. (laughs) So I I was really excited about the palette. And you wore pink, which I thought was so Yeah, that was a good idea. I agree. Yeah, Yeah, pink tank top, right. Yeah, and there's a print. I think it's a monk print of a redhead with green eyes that I've always loved. Lots of times I'll see someone and it connects to a painting in the history of art. Mm -hmm. And it connected to something Mm -hmm. that I... It connected, like, you see someone and it connects to a bunch of things and you think, where are you going to go? So mm-hmm. I was thrilled about the color that you had. It reminded me of something I'd seen in the history of art. So mm-hmm. I had cues. And then in the conversation, I got to see you not performing and to have a real conversation. And I liked what we talked about. I painted a lot of women and we talked about things that had to do with aesthetics and female beauty. And, and I think you were in that realm for a lot mm-hmm. of it. And that mm-hmm. was really interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I my mom was a fashion model, and I mm-hmm. grew up with this very superficial idea of female beauty. And I think the project was really useful for me to redefine what beauty is for myself. What do you mean? Um, how can I explain this? Um, we only have six minutes left. Oh, okay. Just, um, just like, just it's like... Just, um, I, I, I don't know if I can explain that better, but I just, I mean, my... Just I, like maybe a broader version of it, that it isn't so that black it, and A white broader or, version, yeah, because my mom was very superficial. And in how women age, how, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've never seen my mother without makeup. Mm-hmm. And I just painted a lot of women of all different ages. And, you know, inevitably there were conversations about Lux. how you look because I'm painting how they look. And it made me see beauty differently. And, mm. and it, it broadened my sense because um, ah, it, it was very sense. limited. I mean, I was probably saying... Yeah, I was probably, I don't know what I, I don't remember the, what what I said. What would you say my take was um, on I, female beauty or um, on my own It was appearance. just as you described, you weren't obsessed with it at all. Yeah, 
and yeah, that's um, good that yet you're beautiful and oh, sweet. and it was really fun to paint you. But you know, we never got to the part of how do I feel now that it's over. Uh, so should I just oh, yeah. throw Please that do. in? Please <laughs> do. We only have. Okay. And did you? I also want to know who was like the most famous person you painted. Um, most famous artist was probably Alex Katz. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah. So so go ahead. You got five world. minutes. Let's do this. Um, I want to hear this. It's it's great for it to be over because it was so hard. Not just, you know, making the appointments, and it was so emotionally difficult. I thought I was going to crash, but not at all. I mean, I feel it's just really nice to have uh, to have it have a beginning and the end and uh-huh. an end. And I feel like I can't – like now I, I was looking at them with a collector yesterday, and I can't believe I did it. Like I look at it and just uh-huh. think, how did I – do that like so you have a great feeling of accomplishment i do yeah and of growth yeah and of growth yeah i feel great about it so what do you think is yeah as well you should and i can only imagine it would have been a very enriching part of you know the your life and one of the great things it's a great thing about being an artist that you can do that kind of thing to make your life so much richer um to use your talent that way uh, so, do you have any plans for exhibitions, or have have people approached you, or you had a you, you were saying you have a collector over? Do people want to buy them, or um, what's well, going on? Well, they're not on? for sale. Um, I I want to keep it as a single piece, mm-hmm. and I have been approached, um, but not with exactly what I'm looking for. I would mm-hmm. like it to be in a public place. Uh, and so, have private galleries, commercial galleries. Yeah, talk I mean, to I, I yeah, but I don't know. Well, maybe I would put it in a commercial gallery, but I don't want the pressure to sell them one by one. I want to keep it as a single piece. Mm-hmm. I want a book. I want to exhibit the photos as well as the paintings. Mm-hmm. And I my when I did the Taiwan eight eight eight, there was video, there was an installation, mm-hmm. there were talking. Was that a iPads. commission or was that a proposal that that you was made? a Fulbright project? Oh my god. So um, it had a political bent because it was mm-hmm. very interesting to the Taiwanese government and the right. U.S. government. Oh, oh so, okay. Because <laughs> it was uh, Aboriginal people and their rights and blah, blah, blah. Right, right. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of processing that wants that needs to go on. I think I'll probably try to get a grant to process the information. I want to study the statistics on Facebook of how it was seen and why. Um, so it's not just a drawing project. No, no, obviously. So what would be, and it's not over, really. It's not over. Now I'm processing. And so where? what would be your ideal place, to sh- ideal way of showing it? Um, like the, a, the New York Public it, Library, just ideally, what I would think, it be? I um, think it, it's, it's a Brooklyn project. So, I mean, obviously, the museums in Brooklyn, I'm not going to name names. Brooklyn Museum. For instance. Um, it's a and portrait does, project. And is Anne Pasternak aware of it? No, I don't know her, but um, I would like her to know about really? it. Really? Well, we should try and... <laughs> hey, Anne! Anne, are you there? <laughs> if anyone knows Anne Pasternak, you better get her on. I think it would be a brilliant project to be shown. How big would it be physically? Well, there's 366 drawings that are 9 by 12 inches, but they could be hung grid style. Right. Um, and Or in, in two rows. It could be mm-hmm. big or small depending on how it's arranged. Okay. And I'd like to do the photos sort of small. Mm-hmm. I'd like some digital components. So, I, yeah, and also I'd like to – the portrait gallery would be an interesting place in D.C. because mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting take on portraiture. Right. So I, and, and I really want a book. Mm-hmm. Have you had any luck with that? Or um, I'm being approached. I mean, it's just in the talking stage now because it really just ended two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm just, um, you know, I'm going to take my time mm-hmm. and figure out you, how to get it do out. Do you feel correctly. like, oh, my God, I have my life back now? 
Um, yeah, it's great. To, but I'm curating a show that's opening on May 18th, ah. um, the Conference of Birds. And so, and where and is that? Let's plug it. We've got 30 seconds. It's at the Shirley Fitterman Art Center. It has 36 and artists in that? it. It's in Lower Manhattan, mm-hmm. 81 Barclays Street. There you guys go. Um, so do you have a website for your project? For the portrait project? Yeah. Not yet. Okay. That's another thing that needs well, to happen. Well, I'll, I'll um, but you have your own website, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I will post that with your uh, interview when I post post that um so anyway i mean this is fascinating i feel like this could be way more than uh one one hour you know in a few in a few months i think we should come back and talk about it again and see where you are and what's happened with it and Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. 